Welcome back to Pool's Eye Podcast. This is episode number 71, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. Today, I am sharing the interview I did with Laura Clofer. She is from Winnipeg. She is a freelance, freelance creative strategist. On this episode, she talks about how she started as a creative writer in university, but then ended up being self-employed in the creative ad world. She talks about what a typical day looks like for her and how important having a morning ritual and routine is. We talk about the importance of a well thought out social media strategy and how she keeps herself in the right creative mindset when working on projects and being accountable to yourself as well as just your clients. We talk about how you can't do everything and the key to success is having a network and community of people you can work with to really hone in on what your client or project is looking for. So she focuses on strategy and branding, but won't do social media management, for example. So why you should have those connections to make everybody happy um, and not run yourself to the ground with doing things that you don't really know what you're doing. Laura gives it her advice for people wanting to start their own business, why you shouldn't undercharge yourself and why listening to your intuition is so important in life and running a business. This is an awesome episode. Um, Laura's great. I met her when I went to Winnipeg um, about a year ago, and I think you will really like it. If you do like this episode, feel free to screenshot it and share it on social media and tag me and Laura on Instagram and let us know what your favorite part of the episode was. So let's jump into it. Here is Laura. Awesome. Do you want to start with introducing yourself and giving us three fun facts about you. Sure. My name is Laura and I'm a creative strategist in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And three fun facts about me are I have an uncanny uncanny amount of knowledge about the original Beverly Hills San I read tarot cards and I'm currently designing my own deck and I once wrote a teen romance novel which has never been published wow <laughs> list <laughs> i love it thanks um and before we get into what you're doing now what did you take in school and what was your initial career path uh initially i went to university for creative writing hence the teen romance novel um <laughs> I wanted to be the next great fiction writer, but the way it worked back then in my program was you had to submit a portfolio every year to continue. Um, and in the third year, they only let 50 people in to the creative writing program. So I didn't unfortunately get in and decided to switch gears. I finished my BA in English and then I immediately went to college for commercial photography. And I worked in the industry um, with a fashion photographer in Toronto for a couple of years and felt like it was just not the right fit for me. So I did what most 24 year olds do that don't know what they want to do with their lives. And I traveled the world and kind of just took time off from figuring things out. And when I came back, I went back to school and got my degree in advertising and design, which kind of led me to where I am now. Cool. And did you do that in Winnipeg or were you still in Toronto? Uh, I was still in Toronto when I got my degree and then I moved out west about 
six, no, more than that, about a, a year after I finished school. Okay, cool. And did you get like a normal nine to five job in the advertising world or did you just jump into freelance and starting your own business? I got a normal job. I started my internship with a fashion magazine in Toronto and had difficulty finding a nine to five to balance that out. Um, the fashion magazine was just a part-time position. So I moved out West and got a full um, nine to five position there in Calgary. And I worked there for about five years um, in a number of different like roles. And then I got recruited to come out here to Winnipeg to work for an agency. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and so are you from Winnipeg? No. <laughs> I just live here, which is, most people are like, why? But I love Winnipeg. I think it's a great city and a highly underestimated city. There's a lot of really creative, talented people here. And um, I took a, the job at the agency on a whim. I was going to move back to Ontario and this just felt like the right move. And I've been here three years now and I absolutely love it. That's awesome. I actually have a friend who is becoming an architect and she moved to Winnipeg and loves it too. And I think she loves that creative side to Winnipeg that most people don't know is there. Yeah, it's so it's, I call it uh, Winnipeg the hidden gem of Canada because people only know what they see on the news or what they hear secondhand or that it's cold and that kind of stuff. <laughs> And those, like, those things are true, but there's this other side of it that's really unique and special, and it's such a wonderful community here. Totally, totally. Um, and how did you then decide to start your own business? Can you kind of take us through like that journey and thought process? Sure. Uh, about a year and a bit ago, I was really thinking about kind of venturing off on my own, um, and I... I wasn't sure like that when you're in a full-time position, it's really hard to leave that security. And I, I unfortunately in October was laid off from my position with the agency. So it kind of seemed like the obvious choice. I'm a firm believer that the universe will send you signs. And that for me was the push that I needed to take this and run with it. And I'm really happy that I did. It's been eight months and it's been great. Oh, that's awesome. Sometimes you just need that like push. I feel like yeah. a lot of people when they get laid off, that's when they decide to do what they really wanted to do. Yeah, for sure. And do you want to just give a brief summary of what a creative strategist is and what you do for people sure. who don't know? Yeah. Essentially, I work with clients on their fundamental business goals and help them create a path to reach those goals through whatever creative is needed so that could be a brand strategy a content strategy or a one-time like advertising campaign strategy I help clients figure out the what why and how and how it aligns with their audience to figure out how to execute on that as they go move forward so essentially when I um, worked at the agency I realized as a designer and working in social media that there was more to it than just executing on the final product. And I really wanted to be a part of the initial steps to create a strategy to get to the 
product. So that's kind of what led me on this path and where I am now. Cool. Um, and for lots of people who listen, own businesses or obviously work in a business and are in the marketing department. So how would, important would you say is an overall good social media marketing strategy? It's hugely important. I think social media is tough because everyone has an account and sort of thinks they know how it works and, how, and, and uses it personally. But the reality is that it's still a marketing tool and it should be treated as such because of the wide reach that it can have, more so than any other marketing tool. So if it doesn't reflect your brand or resonate with your audience, uh, it can ultimately do more damage than good. So it's really important to have a strategy going into it. Totally. When I think, like you just said, lots of people are like, well, like my secretary has Snapchat, so she can do social media or like all of that, where it's like, just because you post a photo on Instagram doesn't really mean that that's what you should be doing for your business. Right. Um, what would you say one thing that someone who's listening right now can do to improve your social media? Just to put you on the spot there. <laughs> uh, I'll give you two things. Cause one is one's more of a thing. I think you should do one's more just a personal <laughs> preference. <laughs> um, one is to make sure I think that your profile picture should be on brand on every single channel that you're present on. So from LinkedIn to Instagram, you should have the same handle if it's possible and the same profile picture so people can find you easily and they start to recognize your brand. And two, which is, this is a, my biggest pet peeve on social media, <laughs> is to stop using so many exclamation marks. <laughs> it's such a small thing, but it makes a huge difference because I, I, grew, I have an English degree, so... I'm very cognizant of when people use punctuation incorrectly. And I know that that's sort of phasing out, but exclamation marks, I think, could be used more strategically in your copy. I love that. Yeah. I feel like people can, like, they either have, have no opinion about punctuation or very specific <laughs> opinions about it. Very polarizing. Yes. <laughs> Um, what has been the coolest project you've worked on either as your own business or, um, before at the agency? The coolest project I ever worked on was when I first started as a designer. I, uh, when I was working for the fashion magazine, which was called Worn Fashion Journal, um, we published a book, which was, um, an archive of the best articles from the magazine. It was hugely stressful. We had no clue what we were doing, but to just, to this day, I, it's the most amazing thing I think I've ever created. And I'm so proud of what we did together as a team and the freedom that we had really made it a passion project to see it on the shelves at chapters was like kind of a dream come true, having wanted to be a writer. So although I wasn't uh, the next great fiction writer, I was able to be published in another way. And that really meant a lot to me. That's cool. It's so funny how things like kind of come around eventually. Yeah. Yeah, it really was full circle moment for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and do you choose clients based on like projects that they offer you? Or do you do more like you work with a client and then work on whatever projects they kind of like have going? It depends. I do have a couple of consistent clients that I work with frequently on a weekly basis. 
And those are the clients that I established initially before I even um, left the agency. So there's a personal connection there and, and they give me really great work to work on. But often I still get a lot of clients ask me to do things that are outside of the scope that I'm offering. And this is something that's really hard to do when you're starting out. You want to just take on whatever job will pay you. And I had to step aside and narrow in on what I really wanted to offer people and what I wanted to do as a freelancer. So when I turn people away now, it's usually because it's outside of that scope of what I want to be working on. And I always make sure that I send them in the direction of someone who can help them because there's nothing more frustrating as a freelancer to see people out there offering all the things and under the sun and doing a poor job at it. And you want to be able to specialize in something really strongly and build up a team of freelancers that you can refer people to so that you're constantly giving each other work and sharing in the wealth but you know that you're all doing something that you really are passionate about. Totally. I a hundred percent agree with you as someone, cause I just do mostly social media, but there's obviously a lot of people that, like you said, do everything. And it is kind of frustrating when people, you see other people's work and you're like, well, if you just didn't try to offer a video and social and strategy and branding and website, then maybe it would look a lot better. Yeah. Well, the reality is that, you can't do everything perfect. That's just the way we are as humans. We want to take on everything, but we can't, you can't be perfect at everything. And no one is perfect at one thing either, but you can really specialize and hone your skills on one thing and build up your uh, freelance base and your network so that you can build teams on certain projects. So when people come to me and I know that I need to have uh so build a social media strategy and this client is going to want to execute on that social media strategy i don't do management anymore because it's not something that fills my cup so i make sure to find people in the areas that these clients are and that specialize in those industries and source that out so i know that they can execute on the work that i've created in terms of the strategy but that they're also doing something that they enjoy and that they're really good at Right. Totally. Well, and then it looks like better on you and it's better for your client than everyone is in kind of like the win-win books. Yeah, totally. hundred um, percent. So what does a typical day look like for you? Uh, my days are, are pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wake up usually around eight and I have a little morning ritual that involves meditation and tarot and coffee, of course. And this is a really important part of my day because whenever I don't do it, I feel very off. It sort of sets my day in motion and gets me going. It takes me a while to feel revved up to do work. And I don't typically start to read emails till around like 10 a.m. I do smaller tasks in the morning while I'm get, getting ready to focus in on the bigger things. And I always take breaks. I take workout breaks or I go for walks. And if I have meetings and things like that, I try to walk there, or ride my bike so that I get some sort of physical movement into my day. Otherwise, I'd be at my desk forever. Um, it's really easy to forget about that side of things when you're a freelancer. And then I also try to build in time with people who aren't 
um, in my computer. <laughs> so I'll schedule coffee dates with people or I'll go hang out with my partner for a bit because it's important to me to have that human connection. If I don't do that, I can get really sort of depressed and like inside myself and that's not a fun place to be. So those, that's sort of my day and I pick up bigger projects in the afternoon and set outside focus time where I really am heads down and I don't look at emails and I just have music going and work till probably about 8 p.m. at night. I tend to be more productive in the evenings, which is why I never really felt comfortable in a nine to five because I'm just not sort of built to function that way. It's such an antiquated way of working and I like to see that companies are embracing that now and really being a part of that movement where people can work from home and make their own schedules and that's really important to me and I'm I get to choose that every day yeah and that's awesome and especially when you have to do things that are creative and like use your brain like it's way more productive to do it when your brain's actually on rather than like forcing yourself at seven o'clock in the morning yeah Uh, that's one thing like I used to love when I had meetings first thing in the morning because I could just kind of like zone out and have a cup of coffee and like be present at my job where I was supposed to be but not have to do any actual thinking so it was really hard for me to come in at eight o'clock in the morning and be productive and and that's why I feel like the nine to five is kind of phasing out companies are starting to realize that we're not all the same and, and we're not meant to be productive all the same hours every day right and how long did it take you to get into that routine has that always been like as soon as you were working on your own you had that routine or did you have to like work at it to figure out what was working best for you I had to work on it quite a bit like I knew that I wasn't really a early morning get started kind of person I used to be like that but it took me a while to figure out the, the, the structure and what got me going, what made, filled me up in the morning and what got me excited about my day. I had always done meditation, but I usually did it at night. So I started to switch that around and, and play with what my day looked like. And I'm still kind of doing that. There are some days where I fill my whole day with meetings and I know that that doesn't really work for me. I need time to do work every day. Otherwise, I feel like I'll fall behind or I'll feel stressed about where I'm at on a project. So it's kind of, it's a flowing thing. And, and although I like the structure of my day now, it still could change tomorrow or in a month. I think it's just important to be aware of what, what feels good and what feels right and just be self-aware about that. Completely. Well, and sometimes you just wake up and it's just not what you're feeling that day. So it's important, like you said, to just be like self-aware of that. Yeah. And to honor that too, right? I think, I mean, part of uh, where I'm at now is really learning to like get back in touch with my intuition. And it's hard to recognize what that looks like. And then also to honor it, especially if you have a ton of deadlines and you're responsible for those deadlines. It's not like I have a coworker where I can just be like, can you do this for me? I can't take this on right now. So it, it's really important to recognize when you are having those days that you can't like get out of bed or you're not feeling a hundred percent and how know how to get into like the zone so you can at least feel 
secure in where you are on a project or financially and those kinds of things. Exactly. When I find that if I have a day like that, I was like, Kate, like just get one thing done that you sh- were supposed to get done today. Just one. And then you can move on and go do other things to like make yourself get back into it instead of like just sitting and like forcing yourself be like, no, you have to do all of this today, which never works. Never works. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what would you say uh, besides kind of what you just touched on are the biggest challenges of running your own business? Well, I think the biggest challenge for me right now is accounting. I don't like doing accounting or bookkeeping. I do it because I, like I said, I sort of fell into um, being a freelancer and it was, it's the last thing on my plate, right? Like the first thing is like find clients, make money. Now it's more like I'm in a place where I need to figure out the structure of my business and find the right people to help me. Um, succeed going forward. So if anyone out there knows a really good accountant, I need one. (laughs) But um, I think the other thing too, kind of like I said, finding the right balance of work to keep me busy and to keep like food on the table, but also to allow for times when workflow is slow and I'm not feeling 100%. And just knowing like the knowing how to kind of find balance is such a weird word because it's, I don't think there's such a thing. Like, I think it's really hard to find that perfect balance, but just to find that um, flow to make sure that on the, when work is slow, I have other things that can keep me going. And when I'm not feeling a hundred percent, how do I fill my cup with other things that maybe aren't client related? I like it. Um, and if someone wanted to quit their nine to five to either grow their side hustle full time or become an entrepreneur, what would you tell them? Um, what advice would you give them? I think the biggest thing I could say is to really, uh, hone in on your emotions and your be emotionally and mentally secure. So nobody really talks about that side of things. We hear a lot about being financial, financially stable for or having to hustle really hard and go out and find the work and that's all important you have to be really actionable but knowing yourself and truly knowing what you need to be mentally healthy before taking on such a huge shift in your life is terribly important without your health you truly have nothing so it's important to stand firm in your boundaries and to do that you need to know what those are that was great advice I like it um and we did kind of touch upon this about like moving and having self-awareness, but how do you keep yourself focused and in a creative mindset when you do have like deadlines coming up um, or you're going through like a few days or a week where you just don't feel as creative? I turn off my phone, which is really hard thing for a lot of people to do, but I turn off my phone and I put it in another room. That's the first thing I do if I know that I need like a day of uninterrupted distractions. And I also wear headphones all the time when I'm working, even though I work from home and it's quiet, I live alone. I find that being like sort of enclosed in sound helps me hone in on what I'm working on. And music is a creative outlet as well. So it brings out certain things in my work and helps me be creative essentially. Um, I also make sure I set aside a couple hours every week to work on personal projects, which is really difficult to do, especially if you're busy, but 
I put it in my calendar, I schedule the time, and even if it only ends up being a half an hour, those projects are the things that I have total creative freedom on and I get to decide what they look like. And that only helps fuel my client work and make me better at what I do for them. Totally. Well, then you can kind of like not practice on your own projects, but you can enhance your skills that then you can bring to your clients is what I find that that's good for. Totally. Is there anything exciting that you're working on that you want to share? Uh, well, I briefly mentioned it, but I am designing my own tarot deck. So I don't have a launch date yet. I'm still in the process of fine tuning, uh, the packaging and the branding a little bit, and then also finding the right printer to partner with on it. But hopefully by next year, I will have launched it and I'm excited to share that with the world. Yeah, that's super cool. How do you make a tarot deck? If you don't mind me asking, because I know like I know what it is. And like I listen to lots of podcasts that people create their own. But how does that work for like the spiritual and like side of it? Well, I look at tarot as a tool. It's like just like anything else that has energy, right? A carpenter uses like hammers and nails and those kinds of things to facilitate his job and so as a intuitive you everyone has a different tool and tarot is just something that I have connected with so they really the imagery is what drives the messaging in tarot cards and how as an intuitive you read them so I always felt like the cards that were out there on the market didn't their the content didn't really resonate with me in terms of what um I was trying to receive in in messages. So I just decided to start kind of building my own deck and it went from there. It's hard to explain what goes into it, but as a reader, you know how many cards there are and you know generally the traditional symbology and meanings behind each card and each suit and what what those um, stories are trying to tell, but you can also kind of make it your own with your own style and creativity. Super cool. I'm excited to see what you come up with for yours. Thanks. Um, okay, a couple more questions. What is the best advice you've ever received, whether business related or just like life related? The most recent advice I ever received that I've been like trying really hard to live by is to charge enough so that you feel just a little bit uncomfortable we as women inherently undervalue our work. In fact, I believe it's somewhere around like 47% of female freelancers charge less than their male counterparts. So it's important for us as women to get a little uncomfortable and charge more and see what happens. I know that I have undercharged and undervalued my work so often. And the more that I try and push it, the more surprised I am that people are willing to pay me that money. So it really is our choice and we get to decide. Yeah, I totally, I just had a conversation with a friend yesterday about this because she was trying to decide how much she should charge. And it's so much easier to tell someone else to be like, oh no, like you're worth way more than that. Like charge way more. But then for yourself, you like are on the call with the client and you're like, well, like you're a small business and like, I kind of like you, you know? And so then you end up, charging less and then you end up doing more obviously because then the clients are like well can you actually just do this this and this and you're like yeah I guess so so I that really hits home for me too because I'm struggling with that in my own business 
yeah, I think it's important to, even if it's just like adding a dollar on here and there to see what happens and, and make yourself a little bit uncomfortable with that pricing. And one thing that I found um, helpful is to always ask a client, like, how, what's the value of what they're trying to do? So if they're trying to sell a product, what kind of ROI are they expecting on that product? Usually they have a budget in mind in terms of the kind of money they're going to make from something. So if the value of that is $10 and you're charging five, they're obviously going to profit it. So that is a think something that I always try to find out or suss out from the client is like, what's the value of the actual final product to them? And from there, you can kind of build a budget and show them the value of what you're offering in terms of their final product. Right. Well, and if someone like if they're going to lowball you or don't have the money for it, usually if you have like a client base or someone else that understands the value of what you're doing, so they can go find someone who doesn't provide as great of work as you would have kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you take the loss on that one. 100%. Um, and what piece of advice would you pass forward based on your experience up until now um, for another woman who is in business? I think I kind of touch on this, but I think it's important as women that we listen to our intuition more. I'm, we're highly intuitive beings, more so than men. I firmly believe that. And we so often ignore our intuition or we lost touch with it and been taught to ignore it. And it's if it's right and if it feels right and you let it guide you, it will ultimately be right and then you'll end up in the right place. So I think that's important. I know for me, being a freelancer, every time I try and take on a client, if it doesn't feel good, I try and move on from that client or pass it on to someone else that I think would be a better fit for them. And it's always ended up in the right position. Like that person has ended up with someone that they really like to work with. And I still haven't tainted that relationship because I've passed them on to someone who is a better fit for them at the end of the day. And so you really have to trust that you know, even though you might not want to listen, you know what's right and just honing in on that intuition and really practicing listening to it is important. I agree completely. Mm -hmm. um, and is there a book or podcast that you'd recommend to listeners? Oh my gosh, I have so many. Um, okay, a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend the Being Boss podcast for female entrepreneurs. And I think the future with which is F-U-T-U-R, no E, on YouTube, is really good for freelance creatives, especially if you're dealing with, like, pricing issues and stuff. There's a lot of good content there. And the book Herding Tigers is probably the best book out there for anyone who leads a creative team. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, you could check out my website, which is lauraclofer.com. It's L-A-U-R-A-K-L-O-E-P-F-E-R.com. I'm currently updating it, so please bear with me. <laughs> and uh, you can also find me on Instagram at laura.clofer. And I'm planning to launch like a bunch of new content and things like that soon. So it'll be a totally new situation over there. <laughs>
Cool. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you for having me. This is great. <laughs>